Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this week we're talking about teaching songwriting, even when you feel like you don't know how to do it yourself. Hey there, beautiful teachers. Welcome to episode 151 of the podcast. That feels like a beautiful number somehow, 151. And if you want the accompanying article to go along with this episode, you can go to colorfulkeys.ie slash 151, or if you're a member, vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 151. Both of those will get you to the accompanying article, where you can read along with listening. So today we're talking about teaching songwriting, and I wanted to tackle this specifically from that perspective of if you're not a pro, if you're not someone who feels confident doing songwriting, maybe you have never written a song in your life, and you're thinking, how can I possibly teach this to my students? Well, here's the thing. Even if you've never written a song, You absolutely have expertise that can help your students. And this is one of these areas like improvisation or like the basics of playing jazz music that I believe you as a teacher can introduce your student to these things. And you should. I aim to make myself a jack of all trades in music so that I can introduce my students to all these different avenues. And if your student then goes on and gets really into songwriting and they're doing things that you think are beyond your grasp, beyond your expertise, you can't really help them with them anymore, then you advise them to seek out a specialist teacher or go find a mentor that can help them with this. But your job as the more general music teacher, and I don't mean general music as in school, but the more general piano teacher or trumpet teacher or guitar teacher, is to just open them up to the possibility and give them the confidence that they can write songs if this is something they want to do. And at least get all your students to try it a few times so they can really test whether it's for them. Because you don't know if stuff like this is for you or not for you, and I don't believe we fit into those two boxes anyway. But if you never try it, you in all likelihood, the fear will stand in the way of you ever trying it, and you won't find out whether it's a good fit. So you, 
as a more general music teacher, as not a songwriting pro, can absolutely get your students started with the basics of songwriting. And if they want to, they can go from there and you can help them with that. So let's talk about that starting point. Let's talk about where we actually begin. I'm going to give you four ways here that you can get your student started with a song. And I really recommend all of your students try all of these, if possible, at least a few of them. Because again, you don't know which one's going to work for you until you try it and really give it a good go. So the first way to start a song is the way that we've been doing in my studio this year. And that is to start with writing the lyrics. My students recently did a composing project. And as part of that, they wrote lyrics for a song. And then they wrote the song, the music, to go with someone else's lyrics from the studio. Now, it doesn't have to be a pass it on scenario like it was here in the Colorful Keys Piano Studio, but writing lyrics is a great starting point for a song. It might be the most obvious. For many people, they would think you'd start with lyrics, but definitely some songwriters do. And so it's good for your students to get that experience. If your student is stuck for something to write about, you can step in and provide that writing prompt. So suggest they write something about something that happened at school this week or something that happened at home. A time they felt dot dot dot. So a time they felt disappointed, a time they felt sad, a time they felt excited and what that was, what the circumstances were around that. Or a day in the life of, something from someone else's perspective. So a day in the life of my dog or my birthday party from my mum's point of view. Taking on someone else's perspective is a really useful idea here. Now we're actually going to be putting together a post with tons of different lyric prompts. So if you need more of this or you want a resource to refer your students to, that'll go out a couple of weeks after this episode right here. So if you're listening after the fact, you can go back or even just search the site for lyric prompts and it will pop right up. Otherwise, stay tuned for that if you're listening to this as it goes live. The next Kickstarter for a song would be to compose a hook or a riff or a little nugget of melody. Many, many songs start this way. My favorite story about this is the story of Paul McCartney writing Yesterday. That little tune, yesterday, just that much of it, that he had swarming around his brain for a long time before he put the words to it. So songs absolutely do not have to start with the words. Paul actually had different words to go with that. Scrambled eggs was what went along with it. And that was how he remembered it. And he drove the other members of the Beatles reportedly anyway, drove them crazy playing this at every opportunity, trying to find where it fit and how to turn it into a song. And eventually he did, and it became Yesterday, one of the most popular songs of all time, of course. So if you want more about that story, I've left a YouTube video in the article. Again, you can go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 151 or colorfulkeys.ie slash 151 to get that. The third place you might start is chord patterns. So you can start from the ground up, as it were. 
A simple way to get going with this and one that's sure to produce different results for your students than they might have gotten otherwise is to get them to pick a key. So they pick A major. Great. So we're in A major. Let's play all the chords in A major. Discover what those are. You know, go up through the scales. You've got A major, B minor, etc, etc. And then maybe you want to cut out chord seven or maybe they like it and they want to keep it in. Keep, so pick at this stage three to five chords at random from that key. Just, oh, I want to do this one, then this one, then this one, then this one, or something like that. And then they can put those in different orders. So let's say they've got a B minor, they've got an F sharp, they chose to use the diminished chord, so they've got the G sharp in there, and they've got a D major. Well, they can put those in various different orders, so they can experiment with that and see what order they like. Then when they have that pattern, they can simply play around with it in terms of the rhythm. And once they're happy with that progression and they've practiced it for, say, a few weeks, they're really comfortable with it, they can start to improvise on top of it. And they could use the A major scale, but you could also show them how to try it with different modes and things like that. So the possibilities are endless from there, but it can really open up students to new avenues that they might not have explored otherwise if they're just going to write a song from their own frame of reference. This is an area where you can really lend your music theory hat to them and help them to find much more interesting sounds than they would have by themselves, even if you don't write songs yourself. The last Kickstarter is called Craft from a Chord Chart. And this is where we're going to borrow the chords from another song. For this, I really recommend the app iReal Pro. If you can afford it, it is a bit of a pricey app, but it is totally worth it. I've had it a long time and I use it again and again. It's wonderful. So the way iReal Pro works is it's based on chords and um, different people will figure out the chords for a particular song and post that to the forms and you can download it to your app. And Once you have that song there, you have the chords. Now, it's not copyrighted information because it is chords, right? So this is fully legal. There's no melody there. There's no words there. And you can't copyright a chord progression. So you load that up in iReal Pro. Let's say they choose yesterday, right? So you've got the chords from yesterday right there. And they play those chords and they learn that progression or just a chunk of it. And they can play along with it in iReal Pro because iReal Pro provides basically a background band and you can take in or out the piano etc and have this whole band play around with the style and all of this stuff so it can open up so many different possibilities for them there and then they can find okay well what scale would match each of these sections or would match the whole song and then improvise with that so again it's just about broadening their horizons they're not going to come up with the same song. They're not going to write yesterday all over again. If you have a student who tends to do that, when you do this exercise, give them a song they've never heard before and they can start from that. And then they're sure not to come up with the same thing as whatever the original was that they hadn't heard before. It's not about stealing. It is just about using that as a prompt to write your own song. And it's going to change what you come up with, right? You're not stuck with your narrow frame of reference. You have this wealth of backlist songs to use as your 
not even foundation to use as your rough sketch, rough outline, so that you can create your own artwork from that. So those are four different ways that you could get a student started with their song. They could write the lyrics first, they could compose a little hook or a little riff first, they could songwrite with the chord progression that they come up with, or they could craft it from the chord chart of another person's song. Next, I'm going to go through a few different best practices and pitfalls so that hopefully you can steer your students in the right direction. The first best practice is simple experimentation and having the right mindset around that. So making sure your students know that they're going to write a ton of songs to get good at this. That's what it's about. They need to write lots and lots and try lots of different ideas and not throw them out right away. You might come across a chord progression that you think, oh, I'm not sure about this, or it doesn't sound like my favorite pop music, but that might be what leads to the most interesting thing. So make sure they know that they're going into this as an experimenter. They're supposed to try lots of different things, and then they'll hit upon one that they really like, maybe on the 20th iteration, and that's how the process works. The other good tip to give your students is to start to come up with a template as they move forward. If you have a student who really does get into this, then they can come up with their own version of a template. And this can be almost a standard operating procedure for themselves, although you wouldn't call it that to them. It's like an SOP for songwriting. So they're going to write down, once they've experimented, they write down, okay, I normally start by writing a few words that inspire me, and then I go and I write the chord progression, and then I do this, and then I do that. And they hone this process over time. But if you don't keep notes over what you're trying, then you don't know which experiments are working the best. So encourage them to keep their own little notebook and start coming up with these templates for how they come up with their songs. The next tip is one of the most important things and the most neglected things for most students, and that is listening to other music. Many students today, they they just have such a narrow palette of music to draw from, and they might tell you, oh yeah, I want to play jazz, or I want to write pop songs, or I want to write in this particular style, and yet they don't listen to that style. They only listen to the background music in their YouTube videos or whatever. So make sure they're listening to a wide variety of music and not in a preachy way, in an exploratory way. Telling them, oh, okay, maybe try this this week and then having these chats about them. You can provide such a valuable asset to them that way because you're going to have influences and ideas about what to listen to that they wouldn't come across otherwise. So whether you put together a special playlist as a taster to get students started, or you just make suggestions here or there and then follow up with it next week. You know, you suggest Nora Jones one week and then Count Bessie the next week, and you come back and ask them what they thought of it and spark some discussion between you week after week. The next best practice tip for your students is to keep an ideas file. This is something that I've gotten better at in terms of my own writing and it makes a huge difference. So one of the big problems that we'll talk about in a moment is the blank page issue, right? The writer's block as it would be called. And that's just as true for someone like me who writes blog posts and books as it is for a songwriter. And the best antidote 
is to keep an ideas file at all times so that you have a little sticky note on the home screen of your phone or something like that. And just whenever you have a tiny nugget of an idea out and about, you just type it in there. Or maybe if it's little melodies that occur to them, they keep some voice memos on their phone. This means that when you have the time to sit down to write a song, you don't have nothing. You never start with a blank page. You never start with nothing in front of you. You always have some idea on the go. And the more you try to cultivate this habit of writing down the ideas, the more the ideas will flow as well. And my last tip for best practices for you as a teacher is to start to connect your students who write songs. So if you have a few teens who are really getting into this, connect them with each other. Start a group, whether it's just that you facilitate a chat because you're using Tanara in your studio and you start a message group within that saying songwriters or something like that, and your students can chat to each other. Or it's that you organize a meetup once a month in your studio and it's just about sharing their songwriting ideas or any other way that you can bring them together. Having connections with other people who are going through the same thing is so useful in any area of life. In songwriting, it might turn into something more. It might become that they create songwriting teams. You know, one of them loves writing lyrics and the other one way prefers writing the chords and they become collaborators. Or maybe they start a band together. Maybe one of them also plays guitar and they... The other one knows a drummer friend and they start a band. You never know what could happen when you bring your songwriters together. Lastly, I want to quickly run through a few pitfalls that you might run into with your students. The first one is blank page syndrome, as we've talked about. So that writer's block, that stumbling point of getting started is really, really tough. And if you talk about that with your students, it's going to be a lot easier for them to deal with. Everyone comes across it, everyone has this struggle, and that's why you start that idea bank and you just focus on building that up for a while, maybe, so that when you do have the blank page in front of you, you have some different ideas to draw from and you can just pick out one of those that appeals in that moment and run from there. The next one is something that we're going to tackle more fully in a separate post as well, and that is working out rhythms. Many students will write a really interesting rhythm or compose a really interesting rhythm, but they can't write it down. They can't figure out how it actually goes. And it can, although they don't have to write their music on the staff, that's not necessary at all times, it can hold them back from really nailing down their full song if they can't work out the rhythm. So giving your students tools for working out the rhythms is really important. And again, we will have a separate article on that if you struggle to help your students to work out their rhythms. Another big struggle that students have is knowing when to finish their song and how to finish it. And I know in the limited composing that I do, this is the hardest part for me. I have trouble making it sound like it's done or wrapping it up. And so giving your students simple forms to work with is great for this. But for the very end of the song, if that's the struggle for them, just borrow from other songs. It's not going to sound like the other song, but you just imitate what they did and then gradually tweak it and it becomes your own. And much like the idea bank, you build this up over time. And eventually 
your student just has all this wealth of different endings that they could possibly do, and it feels entirely like their own, but they were originally borrowed from someone else. Another pitfall students fall into is trying to find the right idea. They think, oh, there's one great idea, there's one, I need to have the perfect plan before I start. And the thing is, you don't know what it is until you start. So try to shift your student's focus to creating an abundance of ideas, lots and lots and lots of things. If they focus on quantity, going against the common phrase, focus on the quantity and the quality will come. You need to just write. You need to just create stuff. And you'll get better over time. So try to focus on the quantity and the quality will come with time. And the last tip, the last pitfall rather, is not taking enough time. Sometimes music just needs to be put aside and come back to later. Sometimes you need to put things in a drawer or off of your home screen of your phone until you have time to stew on it in the back of your head. And then when you come back to it, the problem will be resolved. Or you'll discover, actually, I'm not invested in this idea anymore, and you might throw it away or just leave it back in the archives. But students need to learn to just take enough time over things and feel free to move on to the next idea and loop back when they're ready. The last section of this article is about quotes from the pros, and I want to leave you to read that because I think you'll be better off reading those yourself rather than me reading them aloud to you. But we have some great tips and ideas there from John Lennon, Leonard Cohen, Beyonce, and Lisa Lucas, who wrote a wonderful book called The Young Musician's Guide to Songwriting. And that's actually my last tip for you for today is if you have a student who really starts to get into this, buy them that book. Get their parents to buy it for a Christmas present or a stocking filler or a birthday present or something like that. It's a wonderful resource, really, really encouraging in its tone and written specifically for young musicians, although it will work for all ages. So if you have an adult student, I think that's a great place to start for them as well. Again, That's The Young Musician's Guide to Songwriting by Lisa Lucas. I would love to hear your tips for teaching songwriting. Please come visit us at the show notes at the article for this episode and leave your comments there or connect with me on Facebook in our Facebook group, Vibrant Music Studio Teachers. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. See you next week. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.